Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, and welcome to this, the 32nd episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I am Diami Plotki, trying to fill in for Tom Iovino, who was pulled from the show this week because of Tropical Storm Andrea at this point. We're hoping it doesn't impact Florida and, and give him more work than he deserves, but uh, Tom is off dealing with the storms. Chris Atkins from High Rock Woodworking is here with me. And uh, with Tom missing, our special guest for the evening is going to join us for the whole night. So we have Mr. Steve Ramsey of Woodworking for Mere Mortals. So hello, Steve. Yo, what up? What's up, Steve? Hey. Glad, uh, glad you could join us tonight. We, uh, we, uh, it was kind of a last minute that we, we reached out to you, and, uh, and we were glad that you came on. So we've been uh, looking forward to this yeah, sure for a day. Right, so, Chris, what is going on in your shop? Um, let's see. I, I don't have a lot. I've, I've actually finished up a couple of things. I, uh, I had the, the humidor that, um, that I just finally kind of did the last few tweaks to it. I finished the outside and I needed to put some, uh, another layer of Spanish cedar on the inside to, uh, have the area for the humidity to kind of hold inside of it. So I finished that up and, um, I'm actually kind of out of my shop right now and we are, uh, you're painting, painting. the house. <laughs> Why on earth are you painting the house? <sighs> because I'm insane. And you, you know what? I, I rationalized it. Here's what I did. Oh, okay. I said, look, we'll paint, we're, we're going to paint my office and we're going to paint our bedroom. We already painted one of the girls' rooms and I said, that's it. Then I'm hiring a painter to come and do the rest. Cause that way I feel like I, you know, contributed some to the house, but there's no way I'm painting. You know, earning the money inside. to so pay I, the painter is contributing to the house. Well, well, listen to what I did. So, so today I had, um, I actually had the painter come by the house today. And so, so the, the wife showed him around, told him everything to paint. And, and, uh, she told him that we were going to paint our room. So he gives me a price and I call him and said, Hey, yeah. And that was including the bedroom, right? And he goes, No, no. And I said, Oh, um, yeah, that's including the bedroom now. So, so I actually ended up only painting two rooms upstairs and I got out of the third one. So. But, uh, yeah. So not much time in the shop right now. It's just, uh, got that stuff wrapped up, so now I'm trying to get a few of these things off my plate. With uh, you doing a lot more work in the office, is that why you painted the office? Is that what that started um, with? It it is because I've been doing, you know, not just with, um, you know, I've got an office that that we work out of for the the big project I'm running, but my construction consultant stuff, I'm just doing way more of that now. So so I spend a lot of time on that. So just. The fact is, too, we're going to probably, I don't know, we'll probably lease this house out in the next six months or so. So we're trying to get everything cleaned up for that, too. So home improvement. Well, Godspeed. And, uh, Steve, do you have anything nearly as exciting as painting the inside of your house going on in your shop? You know, my wife tends to do most of the inside house painting because she likes to change colors a lot. So now we have a, just, it was just last week, she painted our living, one of the walls in the living room, this, like, green, teal, teal. Nice. So we're sort of we're we're doing our whole living room in this whole kind of fifties retro theming thing. And I don't really know if I started it or she started it, but so I'm, I'm doing the furniture with it because we've never really had any new furniture. We always just have picked up you know something here or something there or you know 
my, my grandmother gives me something. And so it's just in this mishmash. So now we can finally have, you know, a living room filled with stuff that sort of goes together. <laughs> but, and as a result, it's helping me with my show, get some projects out of it. Nice. But, but what I'm working on this week is this. This will be on Friday. Ooh. This is thing for little miniature people. No, it's actually, it's a person. This is, uh, it, there was a, a guy on Keek. I don't know if you guys do Keek or not. But I do Keek. But a guy <laughs> made one of these. That was so cool. And I thought this is the perfect near mortals project. It's the kind of thing that anybody can, you know, and this is made with pallet wood. I've kind of like really into pallet wood these days. And so it's just all put together with pallet wood. Yeah. Now, the, the, the seat is what, like a wire mesh to hold the bird seat? Is that what that is? Yeah, that's what it is. And see, I didn't realize you're supposed to do that with bird seed until I, I Googled it, bird feeders, you know, because I thought, mm -hmm. well, I should probably learn something about birds. <laughs> and if, if you don't do that, what happens is that the, the, the seed will get wet and then it can start to sprout and then it can kind of grow mold and stuff. <laughs> and, and that just sounds gross. I don't know if the birds mind or really what to do, but I don't know. I haven't really fed birds. So I got to get some bird food for it too. So, uh, well, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. That'll go in the backyard. Where you, do, you yeah. do you place it? Do you have like a, a kitchen nook or a breakfast nook you can put it in front of? Yeah, no, yeah, we do. I'm not sure where I'm going to put it. You know, see, it's, again, my wife, she, I told her I was making this. She says, oh, well, where are you going to put it? And I said, well, I don't really know. Because we don't really have room for that. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I'm getting the video out of it. And so it's part of the show. <laughs> you know, for anyone who's listening, the bench isn't that big. I hope your yard can fit the bench. <laughs> Uh, well, that's cool. That's cool. I. What about you, Jeremy? Well, what do you got going, man? Last weekend was Dylan's art show, so I I had to make a frame to frame a painting he did, and then I made what's essentially an 18-inch tall shaker nightstand that holds uh, a clock he made for a clock. Uh, it's not sculpture. It's just this. It's really collage. It's a 3D collage of a clock. So I made um, I made this little nightstand that's a, that's holding the clock. And then last weekend we had the art show, so up leading up to last weekend it was late nights in the shop getting these two projects done. But I managed to build the the table in two nights. Nice. And if anyone saw the my blog post about the frame, the miters in the frame came out like crap. And I blame my uh, Incra table saw uh, miter gauge. The back fence is a plum, and it's it just frustrates me. Um, so what I had to make a frame for the table because instead of a top, it's got this frame that's got a recess in the middle and the clock sculpture fits inside that recess and I figured what the hell let me just cut the, the miters on my miter saw and I made a test cut I put my little uh, 45 square next to it it was dead on I cut all eight cuts right on the on the miter saw came out absolutely perfectly awesome so it was nice to not have to screw with anything and have the cuts come out nice so that's what I've been doing is just working on those two tables and I've already been assigned that this coming weekend it'll be back to the treehouse and fixing well well, I was going to ask. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you know, a lot of times when I, you don't, nobody realizes when I edit these things, I don't have to listen to a lot of it because I can, <laughs> because most of it's just all digital anyway, and you know, it's. But so I, I kind of was skipping through. So I actually just sat down today, and it's so nice because with me not on one, I can actually enjoy it is listening nice to you not on one. It is. It was great. So I actually sat down today, and while I was at work, I listened to it, and uh, I didn't know. So oh, at the treehouse? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, the Elmi's treehouse, I guess, almost hit the ground. I yeah, I've got this. Great. I saw that. I saw that in your blog. 
You got a busted bolt on it? Yeah, one of the, uh, that particular bolt was a three-quarter by, I think, 14-inch lag bolt. And it, wow. uh, it snapped right where it went into the tree. Um, and that corner of the deck assembly came down about 18 inches. The treehouse itself was actually in the opposite corner. So the treehouse itself only takes up about three-quarters of the deck in both directions and leaves an L-shaped gap around it. So when the deck came down, it tore the base of the sill plate off of one side of the treehouse. The treehouse itself is still nice and square and in pretty good shape. It's just the deck that's now at the one corner dipping way down. It's got this nice curve to it as it goes to the corner now. The treehouse of horror. It, it is now. <laughs> Uh, but I got a, I borrowed a house jack, and, uh, this weekend I think I'll be setting some four by sixes in next to the trees to hold up the corners. Wow. Well, That's are crazy. the kids, are the kids excited about having the tree house? I mean, is it something they really want? It is something they really want. They were really excited about it last year when I started it, but now that it's been going on for a year, <laughs> they're getting kind of jaded and they're not sure that it's actually ever coming. When my son was, he was about, Four or five, I guess. And I, I made this a fort. I didn't want to call it a playhouse because he was bored. He wanted to say it was a fort. So, and I thought it was the coolest thing. This is something I wanted when I was a kid. I thought it would be so cool. It'd have like two rooms and you'd climb up on the top and, you know, and, and he didn't like it. He, he hardly ever played in it. <laughs> it was like, oh, some kids, you know, friends would come over and they'd play in it for a little while, but then they, so after a few years, I ended up tearing it all down. It was, oh, that's a shame. That was it for me. <laughs> My rule for the treehouse was that it has to be tall enough that I can walk underneath it, and the actual structure itself needs to be big enough that I can walk inside of it. Um, so I think the kids will like it. Between the three, I've got three boys, so somebody's going to use it, I think. And if they don't, you know what? i got a place to go out in the backyard and drink. You can camp out. So what do we got, um, what do we got on the, the, the internet there, the, the old blogosphere? Well, Douglas Ward is an MWA member. He's one of the most active guys on the MWA Google Plus community. And he recently took the plunge and started a blog. So he's at, um, at dcwwoodworks.com. And, uh, his most recent post is he went to the Woodwright School. So he's got a really nice post about going down and hanging out with Roy for a week and, and building. Um, and apparently I didn't realize this, but apparently there's a tool store, a uh, used vintage tool seller on the second floor of Roy's building who lets the uh, the class attendees borrow the tools to test out while they're taking the class. So um, apparently the guy who runs the school came down and helped with the class for a bit and so that just was a really cool addition to taking the class with Roy. So um, it's just nice to see an, another MWA member joining the blog sphere because we need more talking heads or else we're all going to suffocate. And, um, and it's, it's a nice story about the Woodwright School. So that's, that's what I saw out there on the interwebs this week. The only other thing I was going to say is, you kind of broke up there. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say is, is we've got on the, uh, on the MWA page, um, we've got a blog post on there from, from Jay. I, I, I have no idea how to say his last name. Um, Siegel, Siegel Love? I don't know. Siegel Love, sure. It's Jay. You know, yes. remember, it, it was, it's Jay from Fun Woodwork Live it's, last year. We met him. It was, it was, uh, he, he probably said it last year. But I, I have no idea. But anyway, go on to the Modern Woodwork Association dot com page, and uh, and he's got a very cool uh, post on there that that, uh, that we were able to put up um, of him visiting the uh, the Georgia Knox Workshop. Uh, it's amazing. It's a 
it's a great post on its own. He does a nice job of detailing how they got in and what the tour was like and what the whole atmosphere was like. And he does a lot of those things. But I, another thing I appreciated about his post was there is a lot of, you know, there's no end to the show, the information about Nakashima on the web. Right. And at the end of the post, Jay added a bunch of links to right. some recent stuff, recent developments about, um, is it Miriam? I, I think I'm getting the name wrong. George's daughter, mm-hmm. recent things that she's doing. And, and just historical things about, about Nakashima. So after you read the post to see the kind of really cool work that Nakashima did in his shop, there's a lot of other information to, to dig further and dig deeper about Nakashima. Exactly. Alright, so now we, uh, so we get to our, our main topic here, our, our, our third, third guest here tonight. Yes. Yes, so, this brings us to Mr. Steve Ramsey of Woodworking for Mere Mortals. So again, welcome Steve. Thank you for coming on. Sure. And, and you know, we've got your, your website here, Woodworking for Mere Mortals, but, you know, I, I think everyone knows you. I mean, you're, you're like, you're like YouTube famous. You're like <laughs> the Mr. YouTube, so. Yeah. I can't get around a lot on YouTube. <laughs> if you post a video every week, that just, it ends up happening, you know. Sure. How long have you been posting a video every week? Every week for about two years now, but, you know, I've been posting for about six years on YouTube, so. Yeah, for a while. So how did you get started in that? What was your... The first project I did was I built this chess set that I've never finished. <laughs> well, I, finished <laughs> I finished the board, but I didn't finish the set because I never built the pieces. And so now it's become this thing. And everybody has to ask me about my chess pieces, which I've never done six years later. But anyway, <laughs> I, I wanted to make that that chess board and... I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just shoot a video of it and document it, mainly, you know, for myself, just so I can kind of see the whole progress along the way. And I thought, well, you know, maybe somebody will watch it and get something out of it. And that, that's really how I started. So people watched that. And then a lot of those people who saw that chess uh, set you know, are still watching my show. So it's kind of fun. You know, I know a lot of these people now. And now that it's, you know, it's huge. And, but yeah. But I like that's to think great. that it's evolved a lot <laughs> since then. <laughs> Not quite as, as long and, and tedious. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, a lot of your a lot of your videos tend to be. I mean, you you try to keep them kind of short and kind of yeah. to the point, and and um, you know, not drawn out and, and long. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with. There's guys who do that, and they do a great job of it because they're they're providing kind of a different service. I don't really expect anybody to watch my videos and do a step by step. Now do this, do this, do this to build a project. It's more about here's kind of the overall idea of how I'm doing it. Maybe I'll point out a few techniques that I do and but that's kind of really where, where I'm coming from with my videos. It's just to keep them short and, and more inspirational than So anything. it's an it's an introductory and primer to the project, not step by step instructions about the project. Somewhat, yeah, yeah. I mean I try to show the entire build from start to finish, but I, I certainly don't get bogged down in every single cut and that was one of the one of the things I learned early on is to make Woodworking video short is you don't need to show every soft cut because most woodworkers know how to cut a board. <laughs> so I can I can have a board and I can say I cut this board to two feet by three feet and then they'll assume hmm I bet he used a saw to do this. <laughs> so it speeds it all up. Yeah, and it saves all those negative comments about the fact that you used the wrong saw. Well, yeah, well I still get those. <laughs> you know what happens lately is people always have a. And woodworking is all about having just different ways of doing things, sure, right? Sure. Absolutely. You can have a different way to do the same cut, and 
but it's always funny because there will always be people who say, well, that's, you're doing that the wrong way. It would be much easier if you did it this way. And she's like, well, let's do it that way. I sure, do it that way. <laughs> but, yeah, there, now, this last week I had to cut a, uh, I cut a circle on my table saw and there was, uh, there were a lot of comments about that. Why didn't you use the bandsaw? Why didn't you use a router? Why, you know, and I just thought, well, it, to me, it was easy to do on the table saw. And my, my bandsaw is just, I can't do a good circle on my bandsaw. I, I just, I can't. I, I give up. I don't know. I, well, I do it and it's just all, it's all, that's just me. <laughs> no, no. It's whatever I, works. I share your frustration with the bandsaw. Yeah. But I think if I had a better bandsaw, you know, but, cause I see these guys, you know, I see these guys who have, band saws and they use them like a table saw. I mean they're they're doing whoo resaw, they're like shoot and they cut yeah, perfect, perfect resaw board. I'm like, oh hell no, I can't do that. If I try to resaw a board, I get like it's all wacky and then I still have to plane it down and everything. Hey, we, we, we actually had this conversation a while back. Um I was actually ready to buy a new bandsaw. I had gave up completely on my bandsaw. It was gonna get sold, trashed, something. You know, it's an old Delta. I'd completely give up. And, uh, and it was at the woodworking shows. I went by and they've got one of these guys out there that's, you know, it slices, it dices. And, and, and it's these Carter guides and you can replace the guides on it. I replaced the guides, put on a different blade that was like a three teeth per inch, yeah. you know, which I thought was going to be way too coarse. The first time I put that thing on there, I sliced a, a resaw of like, you know, a sixteenth of an inch thick. I couldn't believe how much. So, um, it definitely makes a difference kind of tuning the thing up because I had mine for years and I was the same exact issue on it. I could not get the thing to, to do anything. And, you know, I tinkered with it and put a couple of little upgrades on it and I was amazed at how much difference it made. Yeah, and plus, I, I hate changing blades. So I pretty much just leave a blade in there. It's like, well, whatever, I don't know. If I need to resaw, I've got a quarter inch blade in there. It's like, I'll make it work. And I just, you know, kind of do oh, it. I, but if I have like a really thick blade in there and then I want to do some tight curves, I just kind of kind of go and move it around and then just sand it down. <laughs> Sanding is wonderful that way. But to, to get back to the table for a second, how did you cut the curves in the table saw? I just cut, uh, I put my square board on a, uh, a sled, like a cross cut sled, just, just drip, put a screw in the middle of it and then cut around the corners of it and just kept spinning it around until it gets... Rotate it, make a pass, rotate it, make a pass, rotate it, make a pass. Yeah, exactly. Huh. I, I've done this a lot. And the, the first time I did it years ago, I, I just... People just went crazy. The, the safety police were like, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. But I don't get so much of it this time. I think people have come to terms with it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> hmm, it's an interesting idea. I've never thought but of it. But yeah, I mean, you could... Great. Yeah, I can imagine. Once you once you get it for the most part roughed out and you've got just very tiny, do you do you turn it at all to go ahead and smooth it out? Or yeah, you... exactly what it is. You, you rough it out by just cutting off all the corners. You know, cut one corner, right. another, you get an octagon, and then you get a twelve sided. It gets to tiny until eventually mm -hmm. almost circle shaped, and then you can run it right up to the blade and just start turning. Just kind of just mm -hmm. the way you would on a bandsaw if you were going to cut a circle on a bandsaw. It's kind of right, sure. That's neat. I'll have to try that. I've only cut, I've always cut circles with the router, but that's messy yeah. as hell. Yeah. Um, that's great. Do you have any, any existing projects or any, anything that's going on that you want to talk to us about before we jump into our questions? Uh, no, I don't know what, you know, I never really know what's going to happen a week before <laughs> I do it. So I'm not even sure what project I'm going to work on next week, but I know it's, it's kind of 
you know, summertime projects mainly and easy projects. And, you know, a lot of people don't spend a lot of time in their shops in the summer. It kind of seems counterintuitive, especially with people, I, I don't know, I would think people would want to be in their shops, especially mm-hmm. people where it's cold in the winter and they can't get out in the shop because they freeze in there. Right. But, no, you, it's, viewership definitely drops in the summertime. Now, you, you know, just getting back to some of your videos, I'm, I'm curious about, had you ever had anything? Because I've got to say, I mean, one of the things that's, you know, I think I, we all watch, obviously, woodworking videos and things like that. But one of the things is yours is just the entertainment factor. I mean, you know, April Fools and Halloween and stuff like that. You, um, you definitely have some that, that are out there. And, and inter- I mean, and I think that's what the appeal to a lot of people is just, you know, check out what Steve did. I mean, this is just crazy. Did, did you do anything with video, or is this just you just come up with this stuff? Or yeah, no, I don't. You know, it's like I said, I never really know what I'm going to do, but I do like to do. I like to kind of mix it up and keep things mm-hmm. uh, like uh, for this April Fool's. I had David uh, David Marks. Um, yeah, I saw that, and that was real, real fun because he he got to come into the shop and uh, he brought a whole bunch of his his stuff that he built. You know, and so oh, we cool. did. Didn't really have a real idea of exactly what we were going to do, but I just think I think it's fun to do those once in a while because it, it just it mixes it up. Because I think people really get in a rut, and I've talked about this before on my channel and on my second channel is that I think we get in a rut not just in woodworking but in life in general if we do yeah. the same thing all the time. And I know it's easy for me to just keep kind of making the same type of videos, and I know it's all of a sudden I'm setting up the camera in the same spot, I'm starting to, and I think, wow, I'm just getting in such a rut here, and all it takes is to just do something different, put the camera up here, or just just change it up a little bit, add some music, experiment with music, people, you know, people love it when I experiment with music <laughs> on my channel, one of my most popular features is my music. And, and you, you tend to have a little bit of a, I mean, you're pretty opinionated too. I mean, I think you give your opinions, and and that's that's another thing that when you say you keep things uh, mixed up, I think you you uh, you keep them stirred up at times, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that it's it's you know I think it's good to get out there and and bring up points and brings up issues, and you know what? Sometimes it causes a little bit of controversy, but uh, um, controversy me? No, sometimes. yeah, I, I, I do sometimes. I try not to you know really spout off too much, but I you know. I kind of like to challenge, uh, you know, what's, what people expect. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's important sometimes. I mean, you know, if we just accept everything at face value all the time, uh, sometimes it's good to kind of bring up some topics that, that kind of rub people the wrong way and make them think a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find that people are now expecting you to make those points? No, you know, no. Do, do you have the- they're not as surprised when I do. This past week, I... Uh, this was just another thing that just kind of off the hand. I somewhere I saw somebody had mentioned tool safety and said, "Well, number one or something, make sure you unplug your table saw before you uh, before you change the blades." And I've heard this all my life. I've always unplug your table saw before you change the blade. I don't do it, frankly. And I was thinking, why? Where does this come from? Is this a myth? Has anybody ever really been injured by a table saw turning on while you're you're changing the blade and yeah, it became kind of a, a discussion. <laughs> I can imagine. It's my, you know, I just I think it's worth thinking about. You know, if nothing else. If we're always told, you know, rules and, and things, but nobody really starts to question a lot of these. So. All right. Well, we um we we have some some basic questions that that we we ask everyone. So uh, 
So we, we like to get uh, you some opinions on that. So we've got five questions. Um, so I'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll compare the answers to these questions against the other people we've talked to, and at the end rate who's the best <laughs> woodworker. So there, this is a test. That's right. Is there a five-star rating? Or has it just become thumbs up and thumbs down now? <laughs> it's a thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> Uh, so, so with the first question on that is, is, uh, is how did you get into woodworking? I uh, started when I was uh, maybe 10 or 12, probably before then. My dad always had some tools in his workshop, and the first tool he bought was, first major woodworking tool was a shopsmith, and I thought that was just the coolest thing. And the first woodworking I ever did on the shopsmith was on uh, the lathe on it, which, and so I turned some lamps and things, and that was a lot of fun. And yeah, that was it. Nice. Did your dad enjoy the versatility of the shopsmith, or was he frustrated with changing it every three minutes? Well, a, a little bit of both. I mean, because he had a limited space, and it's good for people. I mean, there's sort of a, a whole group of people who really like the shopsmith, and it is a, a problem because he's asked me. He doesn't really do any woodworking anymore, but he's asked me if I want it, and I, I just have to say I, I really don't because it just wouldn't work into my workflow really. Because I, I like to be able to cut something and then run over to my sander or my drill press and not have to, you know, do the whole switching around. I actually had one of those. My my dad, he had one off of a cousin or something like that. And uh, so he, he hauls this thing down here. And so I had this shopsmith sitting in the middle of my shop. And I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, I just didn't need it. There was no point. I mean, I had other tools. So, uh, so, so I put it on, on Craigslist and, and you're right. There were like a couple of people that come out that were like all excited about it. And they're like, Oh, this is a such and such model. And I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah, it's yep. the Mark five. They've been making the same one for years and years. And it's, it's kind of cool. They got like a horizontal drill press that is really cool on it. And yeah. I don't know. It's a remarkable tool. I mean, I, I give them tons of credit for all the stuff it does. Um, and you, I, I know of the people who are fanatical about it, but everyone I've known who's actually used one has been frustrated by the fact that it is only one thing at a time. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's just a remarkable piece of engineering. And the fact that they have made basically the same one, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they still make them today, don't they? They oh, do. Yeah, yeah. You can still find Community of, of people who use them. I, I think it's a perfect choice for somebody who has maybe just like a one car garage and they actually have to right. car just a car. You know, make some things on weekends, and I, yeah, I think it's great. If you're not in any time constraint or anything, just have fun with it, yeah. I mean, that thing's amazing. If you look at how many tools that thing actually is, I mean, it's, you know, it's countless. I think mine had a wood carver on it, and I mean, it was just all these, there was like two boxes full of attachments. And what was funny, I, I will say this, what was funny is it was an older model. This thing was probably, I don't know, early 80s or something like that, the model was. And there was, there was actually a couple of, there's two boxes just full of stuff. And there was a couple of attachments that were still in the package with a postmark date of like 1981 from when the guy originally had it, ordered it, never even took it out of the package. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, so it's, but anyway, it was kind of cool, you know. All right. Well, Yami? we may have already touched on this, Steve, based on all this talk about the shopsmith, but what's your favorite tool? My favorite tool? I don't, I don't really have a favorite tool. Um, you know, I, I just, I guess the table saw, I guess everybody says the table saw, right? I mean, what are you going to do? You got to cut wood. So and it works, it does the job. And, but I'm not, I'm not really a, much of a tool guy, really. I don't really, I don't know much about tools. You know, I, I get a, a tool that works for me and I just kind of use it to death until it stops working. And I, go, oh, I guess I got to get another one. 
And then I end up kind of looking at it and seeing kind of, you know, what's the cheapest performance. I'm kind of a cheapskate that way, you know, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, table saw. <laughs> no, table saw is a good answer. Yeah, and it, it's funny because it's one of these questions that we, we always ask it, and it's, it's, it's a question that it changes. Most of the time you ask somebody, and it changes almost every single time you ask because it's whatever you're using at the time or, um, you know, we we always change up what our favorite tools are. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. Well, but I, get a lot of, I get a lot of questions from people asking me for specific recommendations on tools. And, you know, I always tell them the same thing. I really don't know, but here's the tools I use, and they work for me. So that, that's that's the recommendation I got. I don't really, I'm, I don't adhere to any one particular brand or anything. I think that if you buy a tool, say if you buy a random orbit sander, if it's a, a DeWalt or a Porter Cable or any kind you get, you're going to go through all this, oh, which one should I get? Which one? And once you get it home, you're not going to think about all that. You're going to be fine with it. And it's going to stand for it. You know? I mean, I, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I have, I have a mix of about everything in my shop, and I completely agree. My philosophy has always been you get the right brand for the, that particular job. There's no brand that's good at every single tool. Yeah. Um, Dummy has one of each router that's ever <laughs> been made in history. All of them. Like he has some that are hand cranked. That's right. I have that old gerbil powered router. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> you got the when they came out with the bicycle powered router. Perfect. I, I, what I would love to get actually, I'm you know to go off on the tangent is one of those old like the, the Stanley routers with the chrome and the big bulbous top. Um, I think <laughs> that'd just be cool looking because the oldest router I have is from the late seventies and it's a it's a Rockwell. It's it's just a it's a it's an off-branded quarter cable. There's nothing special about it. It's just old dirty router. Um, but some of those, I, I personally think an old router can be as nostalgic and as pretty as an old plane and it would be wonderful sitting on a shelf. I wouldn't want to use one, but they, they're pretty. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so Steve, who has influenced your woodworking the most? Uh, I, again, I would say my dad definitely has, has influenced me, and my grandfather too. My, but both for kind of different reasons. Uh, you know, my dad was always fixing everything around the house. I mean, he just is one of those kind of guys that always thought, yeah, "I can fix this. At least let me give it a shot." You know, before I end up calling somebody. And so I was just, you know, it really kind of got me to believe that really anybody can do this stuff. And I, I think it's true with woodworking is anybody can do it. Really, it's nothing. You know. It's not rocket science, and no. I think as woodworkers, so many of us overcomplicate everything and just uh, try to make it seem like there's so much involved with it, but it really isn't. I mean, all we're doing is just taking wood and just cutting it into different shapes, and then just assembling it into now. So you know, that's that's what you taught me. Is anything doable? And I, and I think you you think you kind of just answered what our what our next uh, next question here. But our next question is is you know what? What was your your biggest stumbling block away on the the way of your woodworking, and you know, and what could you have done different in that? You know, I think when I really started getting into woodworking was once we moved into this house from San Francisco. Because when we lived in San Francisco, we had an apartment, and I would have to do woodworking up on the roof. I would have to run an extension cord up there, and I had some small power tools, and I would do stuff up there. But I, you know, I could make some bookcases and stuff up there. It was kind of kind of cool. And he, I totally forgot what the question was. Now, <laughs> just, just your your stumbling block. What what was the one oh. thing that if you would right? God, 
I'm having these brain problems. Like it's pre-Alzheimer's as well. <laughs> but no, the stumbling block was when I really started diving into woodworking seriously, and I honestly started to tell myself that I had to do the perfect dovetail joints. I had to get the jig for that, which I still have, and I've only used it a couple of times. And I had to learn how to do these these procedures that aren't really necessary, you know, at, at the beginning. If you want to learn those later on, go for it. But I, I think to, to start woodworking, you shouldn't have those stumbling blocks. You should just get right into it, start some butt joints, pound some things together, and just, just make stuff. No, I, I can't agree with that more. I think that's absolutely critical. Is you, you, you turn away people who when they're first learning, you try to overcomplicate things and make them learn all these complicated joints. If whatever you're building doesn't fall down when you look at it, it's a success if it's the first thing you build. Um, yeah, so. and, and you'll be proud of it. Your, your family will be proud of it. You know, and unless you're going to be making a living as a professional woodworker, be proud of what you do because right. not a lot of people can do what you do. Even as a basic beginning woodworker, hammering, hammering together a couple of things with nails, you're already ahead of the curve. I mean, <laughs> really, there's not a lot of guys doing that anymore. No, and, and I think it's a huge point, too, because, I mean, we get, you know, one of the questions that we get asked all the time is, is, you know, I'm going to go get a handsaw. What should I, or, or I'm going to get a hand plane or something. Should I go out and buy this, you know, $300 saw or plane or whatever? And, you know, people, unfortunately, a lot of times get in this mindset that you have to have, you have to be able to do a perfect dovetail. You have to have a $400 hand plane or a $300 saw to, to do, you don't. It's just you get in the shop and you make something. And if it's, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, you know, if it how it turns out. But if it stays together, then great. You've learned something and you've done something that most people are not going to do. Yeah. You, you look at your reasons for getting into woodworking. And most of us get into woodworking because we want to enjoy it. We want to just, it wants to, we want to have a hobby, something that's fun to do, you know. So look at it from that point. It's all about the process. Rather than creating perfect armoire or something like that, you just right. can and have fun with it. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so the, our final of the five questions, and this is the one that your grade really rides on. How has the Internet influenced your work? The Internet has influenced my work. I influenced the Internet. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me rephrase that. No. How, is, how has your work influenced the Internet? <laughs> No, you know how the internet influences my work is that that's where I get most of my ideas, really, because it, I'm producing hundreds of projects. I mean, really, they're, I'm, I'm cranking them out. And without the internet, I'm not sure if I would be able to just come up with the ideas and the inspiration from other people just like this. And I, I remember the guy's name. It's Matt, by the way. I think it's Matt. I'm sorry. Who who did this? There's a lot of maths on uh, woodworking maths. A lot of woodworking there are woodworking maths. But, uh, we're actually all thinking changing our names to Matt so that we're the Matt show. <laughs> but anyways, anybody, if you're looking, if you're looking to build something and you don't know what to do, go to Google Images because you can get so many ideas, mm -hmm. like birds, boom, boom, boom. And then what you do is you look at one of those and you think, I kind of like that idea. And you don't copy it, but you take an idea from that, you take an idea from another one, and you put them together. Absolutely. What, what I found to be a great source of things like that is actually Pinterest. And Pinterest is awesome, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, I have huge uh, time spent on Pinterest getting ideas. And, you know, I'm just looking for that perfect project made out of a mason jar and chalkboard. <laughs> and I'll have something. <laughs> and I'll have 
Well, l- luckily for every you know for every five hundred of those, there is one sculpted chair. I'm not. There's some awesome, awesome stuff on that. I posted my own stuff on Pinterest too. It, it's it's funny. It's you talk about that. I saw um a glue gun rack. I mean, as you can see, this lovely pink decor behind me, and the, those are uh, sewing racks behind me. This is my wife's so craft. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's my wife's craft room that I I'm lucky enough to broadcast from. So she had pinned a glue gun rack. And it was a bunch of two by fours and probably a jigsaw cut it up. Perfectly functional, pretty neat, probably about an hour's project. And I saw that and decided I needed to make something out of walnut and ebony. And I'm now, I don't know, six weeks into it and I'm not done yet. Sculpting the glue gun, right? <laughs> uh, so I know what you mean in terms of using the internet to just to get the spark of that'd be a neat project. And then you just go off on your own tangent and make it what you want. Yeah, and also another thing I, I should mention is that Aside from bugs flying around here. Steve There's, is battling a bug for those just listening. The the amount of uh, women on Pinterest, of course, it's you know like eighty five percent. But how much they're kind of inspiring me and giving me a different way of looking at things. And I really kind of within the past few months, I'm really kind of reaching out to that audience a lot because they have so many creative ideas that I think a lot of us guys as woodworkers, we get stuck again in these kind of ruts where we think, well, if I'm going to make something, I'm going to have to use a special kind of, of wood and I'm going to have to use special kind of joints and use, and um, yeah, I think it's inspiring to see what kind of work is on there that it appeals to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh yeah. I was, I, for anyone watching my back's turned to the camera, I was looking for the tin can caddies I made for my wife, but that was a, she found them Pinterest, and I got assigned to make them. We all thought that he was uh, making a six-pack holder, so when he <laughs> carried his six-pack of beer I out to the treehouse. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I diverge. But, so that's that's how you have shaped the Internet, okay? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, my, my pictures will show up on Google Images when you're looking for inspiration. <laughs> So now, Steve, you you do this. I mean, this is this is kind of your full time kind of uh-huh. deal now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I do this full time. Was so. was that a was that a tough decision to make to jump in full time on that, or did it just well, kind of naturally evolve? Kind of eased into it. It's just it's a strange thing how life works that way because I've had I've had my own business since 1997, and I've always been working from home. So it was easy for me to do my graphic design business in my office, and then on my downtime I could come out to the shop and do a little work and eventually I just started getting more time in the shop and it also kind of happened around the same time the economy was starting to tank and I was losing clients that were going out of business or who knows what and so it was kind of a really nice transition from one to the other and I I still do a little design work for a couple of clients I've had a long time but yeah for the most part it's all uh, mere mortal stuff. Is it it more difficult now that it's a you have to count on it as a day job, or do you still look at it and, and, and enjoy it just like you, you Oh, no, did? I love it. I absolutely love it. I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't do anything else in the world. I mean, it's the greatest job in the world. I work for myself. I don't have a boss. I get to do woodworking. I get to do video stuff. And, you know, yeah, I've got to make As long as I don't run out of ideas. It's like my greatest career. <laughs> I'm just going to say, that's all I got. See ya. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, don't reach that point. We're all in trouble if you run out of ideas. <laughs> there was just, you have all these faces sitting there going, what? <laughs> I know. Well, if, if you run out of ideas, you just do what Norm did and build a kitchen. Yeah. Well, you know what you do is you just start rebuilding your old stuff because nobody sees any of that old stuff. 
<laughs> you know, it, frankly, it might be interesting once a year, once every couple of years, once every five years, to go back and rebuild an early project and just discuss about how it's how you build it differently now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've done that. <clears throat> I haven't rebuilt the exact same project, but I've built similar projects. And yeah, it is interesting to see how you can take a different approach to the same, you know, the same planter or something like that. You know, even mm-hmm. though essentially the same thing, but taking it from a different perspective is interesting. And you know, I admire these guys who can. Really, because I don't really do woodworking for a living. I sort of make videos for a living, really. Because if I did woodworking for a living, I would starve. Because I, I don't know, I wouldn't be able to do it as fast and to produce. I don't know how these guys could produce so much work. You know, that's just it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, you've got to give the guys that do it for a living respect. I mean, it's, oh, man. you yeah. know, I mean, in order to sit in a shop like that and just pound projects out, oh, my gosh. I mean, well, and people don't realize how much time goes into woodworking. And, you know, they're expecting, you know, oh, can, can you make me a, a, a book a case for, you know, a couple hundred dollars? And like, no, that ain't going to happen. There's just no way. I'm going to be, you know, end up making like $2 an hour. Oh, I, I told friends a long time ago. I know when, when at first everybody would find out, like I did woodworking. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, IKEA's got this bed, and I really don't want to pay that for it. Could you make it for cheaper? <laughs> no. It's cheaper than IKEA, yeah. Most definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mainly the time that goes in, it's involved in doing my woodworking. It's a lot of work. It, it is, and it's it's one of those things where people who don't do it, it's, it's so far to them. There's no... They, they just can't wrap their head around why it takes so long. Right, right. Yeah. But I would be a nervous wreck if I had to sell my pieces. I would because I, because my pieces are just filled with flaws every time. You know, I, I can never get, because I, I don't, because every time I do something, it's, I'm doing it for the first time. And so, I, yeah, I would, I would be horrible with Well, and I think that's it. I think most of these guys that, you know, most of the time when somebody does it for a living, you know, a lot of times they, they build a reputation for building certain things and a lot of it ends up being repetition work. You know, it's, it's, you've got certain things that you build and you may do variations of that. But, you know, in my dad growing up, he was a, uh, a general contractor and we built a lot of, uh, actually worked in, in a cabinet shop that, that, uh, him and another guy, um, that worked for my dad, we, we ran a cabinet shop and, you know, and it was just repetition. It was just building the same thing over and over again for the most of the time. We did, we did some customized things, but, uh, but yeah, it would be, I would hate to know I had to do that. But, uh, it's just tough. It's a, it's a tough line of work to be in. But yeah, but it's nice being a hobbyist because, you know, the nice thing about doing things hobby is you can, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. I can do it whatever way I want and however slow I do it. The only person I have to answer to most of the time is, is, is my wife. If I actually promised that I was going to have something made by a certain time, but she, she gave up on that. Yeah, the trick is not she, to make promises. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't ask me to have anything in a certain amount of time, and I'm relatively fast when I build something. But you're certainly faster than I am. <laughs> but uh, but your stuff is also a lot heavier than mine. <laughs> mine tends to be. <laughs> I actually, Diami, I I did see something. I, I I found, and I need to post this picture on on here. Um, I was at OSB. Well, no, it was it was um it was it was Timberstrand. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's this huge table. I mean, I'm talking monstrous conference table at a trust plant that was made of all chamber sand. And, and it was, I think the thing was probably, I don't know, it was five or six feet wide, probably 20 feet long. Huge. 
I, I mean, they actually, I mean, they had to have had it custom ran through, but on top of it, you know how they take these tables and they, you go in a bar and they've got these tables where they've got bottle caps and dollar bills and all this stuff, epoxy or plastic underneath the, the table so you can see through. They had put that mm-hmm. on top of it. So there was like probably a, like an eighth of an inch layer of that over top. So it was nice and smooth. Uh, it was interesting. What did they, it was just epoxy or they put something in the epoxy? No, it was more, it was more plastic like than, than, um, okay. It was almost like the same stuff that they use with they that they fill these tables up. So I'm sure it's some type of epoxy, but it had a very right. It's like one of those self-leveling bar finishes, that kind of yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool! I did an image search for timber strand table, and one of the images is mine. <laughs> nice. Uh, but if anyone watching, here's a timber strand bowl, and I think this is just crazy. I sent you a picture of a timber stand bowl, didn't I? There's I think a, you did. There's a guy got made up here at a trust shop I went to one day. Yeah. Um, that's that's crazy. But no, Johnny I like, loves timber strands. Dude. What is timber strand? Explain Tim, Okay, you know plywood. You so. know what an, an um and you know what an LVL is? No idea. Okay, plywood. The well, me gotcha. I'm going the wrong. I'm going the wrong way. OSB. You're going the wrong. Yeah. Oh, I know OSB. OSB. Yeah. Okay. So OSB yeah, is a sheet. Wrong. OSB is a sheet good made from the little chips of wood. Mm-hmm. Timber strand is dimensional lumber, two by four, two by six, two by eight, made of OSB. Oh, okay. Um, from a framing perspective, it's a lot truer than a 2x4. You don't get the warping and, and things like that, so it's a lot easier to frame with. And I, I think it actually has better pull-out it, values. It, it does. We, we actually we typically use PSLs, which is timber strand, in places that are um, they're higher load bearing, so we can get actually more load out of it, which is weird because it's glued together, chips Gl- of wood. Glue is solid. <laughs> True. So... But it makes some interesting, um, it makes some interesting stuff. I've saw a couple of projects made out of it. So you definitely get a lot of texture in there. That's, uh, it's kind of out of the box. I mean, it's a little different, but, uh, it's got a neat look to it. I could tell you, it, it mills wonderfully. You could run it over the joiner through the planer. It mills nice and square. It sands up nicely. I've actually used my cut sole on it. You could shape it. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's a real interesting material and, one of the things that I like about it is its consistency. There's no flaws to it. There's no weight. There's no grain changes. It's it's very consistent. So as long as you don't there's mind, there's a lot of grain changes. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're so small. You know, it's not like it's not like you're dealing with a curly hardwood or something. Um, you don't get tear out and things like that. So um, as long as you don't mind the aesthetic of it, I personally find it very easy to work. And all things being equal, it comes in nice thick chunks because you're getting it in two by six, two by eight, and it's dirt cheap when you compare it to anything else. And I think it's an interesting thing. So like I've actually got a, a bench top, just a slab of a bench top that I glued up out of it that I probably going to become my Midas bench. Right now it's just sitting in my lumber rack. But my ultimate intention is when I build my bench, it's going to be mostly out of timber strand. Um, and I, I'm actually right now, because you know, the shop, the tree house, and the other crap isn't enough, I've got a, a prototype chair sketched out and I'm going to make the chair out of mostly timber strand. Uh, but you know, carve a, a real bowl seat into it and make it make it somewhat sculpted, but just all out of timber strands. And I think I'm going to try dyeing it. Uh, but it's a it's an interesting product to work with. That sounds interesting. Why don't you give that a shot? Aesthetically wise, it's kind of neat because it's there's it's it's different. You know, it's not your standard look. So I mean, it's as you know, it's it's as dense and hard as any other wood because of the the way it's glued together. But it definitely has a different look to it. So it can. It can have kind of a different appeal, so uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I'll let you know how it takes dye. That's the one thing I haven't tried doing it is standing it and dyeing it. I, I can't wanna, imagine. I want to try that. 
I'm interested to see how that works. Let's see. Either that or I'll just milk paint it. Try I don't think that color. would work. Try <laughs> food color. That, that's, that's a good, good idea. That is a good idea. Yeah, I made a I made a picture frame using plywood, the exposed plywood edges, and so I, I used uh, food dye on it. It worked out pretty well, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just the, the straight dye, or do you dilute it, or how do you apply the dye to the edge? No, I just dip. You know, I just dropped a few drops in water, and, and then just kind of splashed on different colors of it. And it was pretty cool on the edge grain of the plywood. You know, it, it hmm. was a crazy effect. Ah, let's try that. That that's really neat. I saw someone do something. It was a project I saw the the guy did turning like that, where he took um, some and, and he used a food dye like that, and used it on the pieces before he glued it up. And use some different colors and uh, and had some kind of neat effects to it. Yeah. Well, great. Well, um, Be- before we wrap this up, Steve, is there anything else you'd like to promote? Your site, your YouTube channel, anything else? We're working for newmortals.com and let's see what else. I'm pretty much everywhere. Facebook. I got a lot of a lot of good information on Facebook um, and in YouTube. New videos every Friday, usually midday on Friday. Sometimes not, depending on how, <laughs> how far behind I'm Well, you definitely have a great following. I, I said uh, I, I said off the air earlier that uh, that uh, mo- most of the people that listen to this podcast actually end up going through iTunes and stuff, and uh, we do record it through YouTube. But uh, we uh, I, I think we almost got a quarter of of our new visitors today. From uh, from from Steve, so uh, yeah, we got a ton so, of new. So thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We have those we, are my peeps. <laughs> you we got have uh, we have more viewers right now to this this live uh, mess <laughs> we call a recording uh, than we than we usually do, and that is certainly good news. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so, all right, well, that just about wraps up the show. And if you're missing us already, you should probably get a new hobby because it's not healthy. But you could subscribe to the show on YouTube's Just Feed the Addiction. You search YouTube in, in YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. It's an it's a new social media platform just arrived. It's like Twitter and Facebook. It's a good thing. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, or you could just subscribe on iTunes because that that's actually going to work, and you can find the audio of this, which is much clearer and cleaner because Chris takes the time to edit it. Um, uh, apparently, some of them. <laughs> You, you search for Modern Woodwork Association on iTunes and you'll find us. Um, once you subscribe, you won't miss an episode. If you want to find more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle the Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, you can join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. So, uh, I've been Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com, um, at Diami Plotke on Twitter, and joining me from Atlanta has been Chris Atkins. And who were you before, by the way, because you said you have been Diami Plotke. Uh, anyway, I'm Chris Atkins of High Rock Woodworking, and you can find me all kinds of places, uh, Twitter at High Rock WW, um, and, and since Steve mentioned Keek, uh, you can find me at, at Keek on High Rock WW. And I actually just posted a key of Steve on the MWA podcast. So that's my contribution <laughs> to Keek that's today. Keek is cool, man. Everybody should get in on Keek. I actually like it. I didn't think I would, no, but I do. I'm, I'm not digging Keek. 
36 seconds to say what you will. Hey, you get a little bit more time than Vine. What do you get, like six seconds on six Vine? Six seconds on Vine. But I, Vine is so limited and short, I find it to be okay. But my issue with both of them is that they're these closed-off things. I mean, for my phone, I can post to YouTube as easily as I can post to Key. And YouTube's yeah. a much more open, much more easier-to-view platform. So I don't appreciate why I wouldn't just send it to YouTube. At least with Vine, I can't post anything of consequence. It only can be these stupid little things. So it doesn't matter that it's a closed-off community. Uh, but anyway, that's my rant about video networks. Um, and to, to close the whole thing off, Mr. Ramsey, where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter, um, I guess just search for me. I don't know what my handle name is. Just look for Woodworking for Mere Mortals on there. You'll find me. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm pulling it up right now because <laughs> Mere Mortals WW. I use Twitter a lot now, but I didn't know like you you do have another name for Twitter that I heard but you. Mere Mortals WW. But I I, I, I show up as Steve Ramsey, so I think if you just kind of search for me, you'll find me. Or actually, just go to my website because I've got little buttons to push for all of this stuff. Stephen, you do have a pet name for Twitter, right? Twatter. Twatter. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid of my son's coined that term because kids don't use Twitter, you know, they, they don't get it. They don't use that. They don't use G+. And my son, he's actually writing a musical where, <laughs> with a friend he is, and one of the characters is, is like a loner who doesn't get along with other kids because he has a like a MySpace account and a G+, plus account, <laughs> and everybody else is on Facebook. <laughs> but, um, but I do, I am using Twitter a lot more, and I kind of have come to terms with it. It took me a while, but I, I'm getting there. Good. All right. Well, great. Well, we thank everyone for listening, and we will see you in two weeks when we will have a guest. Uh, for, do you know who we're going to have? And hopefully, all three of us will be on. Yeah, maybe Tom will actually. Tom, we haven't had all three of us. This is the third episode in a row without all three of us. Third in a row. We'll just have to have Steve yeah. back to fill it. We don't <laughs> all right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night. Bye.